0: Welcome to Bangkok Podcast. This is uh, our, I want to say, episode 55. Now you're just rubbing it in. No, no, it I, I think it's episode 55. Uh, thank you to all of you absurd people who've actually uh, listened to that many of these things. Uh,
1: and donated things. And, and, uh, and you know, paid money for things. I don't know. We yeah, have things yeah. you have to pay for, right? Huh? Uh, I don't know
0: what you're talking about. Patri- we Patreon. We do have... Pa- Patriots. On Patreon, uh, we, we do have people who are sponsoring on Patreon. So as long as you're bringing it up, you can go to patreon.com slash dademag uh, and, and you know, contribute a, a buck a month or more. Uh, shout out to Philip Bennett and Mabel DeBonsa, our, uh, you know, credits level, you know, people on there. Yeah, they got, like, mugs and shit, right? They will eventually.
1: Get mugs. Yeah,
0: they'll get mugs. I think one of them is getting a tote bag.
1: Incredible. When you walk into that coffee shop with a Pankone Podcast tote bag, that yeah. means you have arrived. Arrived <laughs> and nobody's glad about it. <laughs> um, on this
0: episode, we are joined by Jason and Melanie. I know I've done this before, and I feel like I'm about to be corrected. Schoendorfer.
2: That was very good. Boom.
0: You Thank you. Oh. I usually let him do the names. I've really I underestimated myself on that one. Okay. I'm pretty impressed. Thank you. I'm impressed. Um, so we're here with Jason and Melanie Schoendorfer. Uh, that was the product of a heavy jack pour. I did it the first, better the first time. Wow. Uh, yeah. Yeah, you guys are very generous over at the Taurus. It's only because it's you. Relax, all right? Oh. Don't be spreading rumors. People nice. are going to get proper pours and be like, these people suck. Never mind. Yeah. Uh, Jason and Melanie are the proprietors of a place that I think Mike and I are both very big fans of. Yes. Uh, called Babes Meat Encounter. Is Froman part of the formal name of the place?
3: Uh,
4: <laughs> yes. Should I refer I mean, to it that way, like Babe Froman's meat counter? Legally, legally, no. Yeah, I mean, I guess you could call it that. Okay, yeah, yeah uh, sure. Because I think We're that's like, called it Babe's for sure. Yeah.
0: It's easily the my favorite name in all of Miami food is Babe Froman. Oh. I don't know how many people get that joke. Do you get that? Do you know about what that is? Yeah,
1: from um, yeah,
0: Abe Froman, the sausage king of Chicago.
1: Exactly. Awesome.
0: So yes. uh, this is in Miami's Palmetto Bay neighborhood.
1: I gotta say, that it's a great name, but the name of the place that's a block away from your house, what is it, the Crazy Tostón? There's the Crazy Tostón, <laughs> and it's also <laughs> a very good name, for saying, in competition of great names. Yeah, and right
0: on the other side of 117th Avenue is La Hormiga de Oro, the golden <laughs> ant.
4: <laughs> right, also a great
0: name. Which I love. Yeah. Uh, there's nothing golden about it, but it's
1: delicious. <laughs> This episode of Pankone Podcast is brought to you by Velocia.
0: Velocia is a free mobility rewards app that encourages you to get out of single occupant vehicles. So they're doing that by rewarding you with points for things like answering surveys about your experiences on public transit, uh, some physical activity so you can connect it to certain apps and Fitbit and all that stuff. You collect points and you can use this toward uh, rewards, including rewards that relate to to getting Around. They're partnering
1: with Miami-Dade County to promote safe ridership. With that, we are helping promote social distancing by riding Metrobus at off-peak hours and receive Velos points.
0: That's right, so those vellos are the, the name of the points that you would accrue as you do all these things where they're trying to encourage you to uh, engage in safe ridership on transit. Users can answer simple survey questions Focus on ridership safety, mask wearing, social distancing on transit. Do that daily and you receive those Velos points.
1: Some of the perks you can redeem for include Lyft and Uber rides. That's
0: right. So, Lyft and Uber rides. Sometimes you like to refer to them as the evil empire. The evil empire. I know firsthand. I've seen you in an Uber. This is a I thing have, you do. Well,
1: yes, I have used Uber and I only refer to Uber Eats as the evil empire. There you go. So, this is the good Uber.
0: Uh, The good side of Uber, uh, as far as Mike is concerned, the app is available for iOS and Android. You can receive exclusive rewards for completing
1: easy tasks. Mike, where can you use this app right now? Only available right now in Miami-Dade County.
0: Only available in Miami-Dade County. Uh, So we are uh, the first to experience Velocia. You can download the thing tell everybody in your friend group. This is a one of those rare instances where, like, you may very well be the first person you know to hear about this thing, and you can actually send out these codes, and, like, who knows? By the time you're done, you know, getting everybody to sign up, you might be, you know, getting a free lift or something.
1: I find it very intriguing because it promotes using public transit.
0: It promotes using public transit um, and also encourages as part of, you know, some, like, physical activity, you know, whether that's, uh, again, you connect it to your Fitbit. And I, you know, the idea is that you would accrue points whether you're walking your dog, you're doing your running workout, whatever that might be, you know, encouraging that rather than hey everybody get in, especially like happens in Miami all the time, right? Like ten people are getting together who live pretty close and they're going across town and like you have ten cars each with one person in a caravan for no apparent reason. Uh, so you know that's the kind of thing they're trying to discourage and trying to you know give you an incentive to move away from that. So uh, save a little money, Mike you are expecting to be reunited with a car you haven't seen in quite some time seven months i haven't seen my car in seven months but i imagine that i mean i know that you're going to treat this as a daily driver but it's also not something that you want to run into the ground
1: i don't it's already uh it's already 62 years old
0: so like if in the process of of working out and answering these surveys and all that you could get you know like
1: lift credits i know i can't wait to get all my lift credits using all my velo's points correct and also uh, public transit points i mean i love using the metro rail of course
0: you do yeah so you know to do things like go and see the miami heat when they're out of the bubble i mean down the road we'll
1: have to wait till next
0: year but yeah we got we got to get out of the bubble so uh <laughs> <Velosha> <laughs> is at velosia.io that's v e l o c i a Seriously, uh, I have downloaded this app. I have uh, collected a number of Velos points. How many points do you have? I have like 150 points. Really? Yeah. I'm not 100% sure what I can do with that yet. Let's find uh, out. But I do, exp- I do plan to connect this thing to... I, I use, uh, I'm an Android person, so I use Google Health. Uh, and it you know, has like a pedometer thing on it. So I walk Petey the dog for at least like an hour, sometimes an hour and a half a day... I fully expect that at some point I will be able to use my Velos points to Uber myself and all of this stuff to Area to record these podcasts. I can't wait. I know you can't wait. I mean, I... The, I, the anticipation is just emanating from you. <laughs> That's a great sound effect you just gave Oof. us.
1: I think, bottom line, we should all download this app because they've paid for an ad on Poncom Podcast.
0: They have also done that. So many thanks to Velocia again. Download Velocia, that's V-E-L-O-C-I-A, on iOS and Android. And you can get to them at Velocia.io. That's V-E-L-O-C-I-A dot I-O. I feel like Velocia is really the
3: answer.
1: Velocia is definitely the answer. Uh, Well, uh, thanks for coming on the show. And hanging out uh, and being out in public and hanging out with us. Apparently, we're adults, which is nice that you said.
2: I did say that. Yeah.
1: I'm, I'm, I'm shocked. That's the first time I've been called an adult. I mean,
2: we can pretend to be adults right now. That's good. It'd be the adult thing to do.
1: Yeah. Um, all right. So, where do we start? There's so many things to, like, get into, but I really want to talk about kind of the evolution of babes, right? And uh, I remember it started at the market, right? It did, yeah. So walk us through all of that, like the so evolution we, of got, what got you to a storefront.
2: So it started with just us wanting to make food that we wanted to eat at home. Right. Literally just not being able to find good sausage in this town, deciding to make it myself, doing it at home for a while for us, someone tasting it and being like, hey, this is pretty good. Why don't you try selling it at the farmer's market? And actually that person was Margie, the farmer, oh. the CSA farmer from Bee Hub. My favorite. We, Joanna's too. And Joanna's too. Joanna's Marketplace really helped me, you know, fabricate the sausage. They let me use their kitchen for free so I could oh, use that as a commissary kitchen to start selling at markets. But initially, it was never something that we thought of like selling. Like, people are right. going to buy my sausage. There's a million sausage out there that you can go and get. It so, a, it was a side hustle. It was a side hustle. Yeah, we both had like some pretty decent, full paying jobs.
1: What were you guys doing at the time, if you don't mind me asking?
2: I was a, a manager. Caterer, cheesemonger for Joanna's Marketplace. Oh,
3: oh,
4: I didn't know that. Yeah,
2: that's, that's how amazing. I started. And
4: I was, um, I at the time I was managing my family's business. It was um, a pet cemetery and crematory. Oh wow, doing a whole different thing. That's a whole different thing. That's <laughs> a whole, that is a whole, whole other whole, whole other ball game. Yeah.
1: Wow, that's a whole other <laughs> podcast too.
4: Could be. Could be. <laughs> <Jeez>. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Got some
0: stories in
4: that. one. Wow. I mean, pet cemetery. cemetery. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I, what are you doing guys?
1: <laughs> I don't. Jeez. Anyways, yeah. so. Then you went to the Pinecrest Market, right?
2: We started at Pinecrest. Uh-huh. Um, then started developing some other products. We started doing the bacon. Um, we started preparing sandwiches there, and it just happened because we kept selling out of stuff every week. Amazing. So we're like, let's keep doing this. We didn't have to do it. We were crazy to do it. You know, staying up all hours and making sausage to sell at a market. No mm-hmm. more days off. Um, how many yeah. pa-
1: how many pounds of sausage were you selling out on the weekends?
3: Oh, in the beginning, I,
1: 40 pounds.
4: Yeah, at, at the beginning, I mean, the first couple of years were pretty modest because, like she mentioned, it was like a side hustle on the side. We were just doing it out of the love. Like, we literally had, I worked five to six days a week. Hmm. She was easy five days a week full time doing something else. So, um, at first, it was just, you know, 40 pounds here and there. But by the end, when we had decided to quit our full time jobs and, you know, start trying to make our way to get to a shop, um, you know, during the what season, you're making upwards of 120 pounds. Oh,
2: yeah, by then. You know. And then bacon on top
4: of that. Yeah, plus other products So we had start doing and, and prepared foods on top of that. Just kind of like the embryonic form of what we do in the shop now. Right. Yeah, doing it under a tent, though. Setting up, like, one or two tents at different markets and events around town. And then a, basically carrying a kitchen on our back uh, to do all the prepared stuff, too. So,
1: How long did you do that before it became a brick and mortar? F-
4: five. years i want to say oh almost well for about four and a half we started building our shop we're still at the market and then we didn't actually leave the market till maybe six months after we opened our shop really yeah um
1: so what was that final thing that you were like fuck it we're just going to do this
4: dissatisfaction was what we were doing i mean straight up unhappiness i mean we were it's not like we weren't doing well like you know Hmm. we were in a good financial position um you know in both of our jobs we were in management kind of positions so we were like you know working our way up the quote unquote corporate ladder completely miserable right um just trying to do stuff on the side i had a mobile dj business for a while i used to do audio engineering and djing you so. are a
1: mixed bag and i fucking yeah, love right.
4: it yeah, i did a lot of i've done a lot of stuff so pet cemetery <laughs> mobile dj i was an audio engineer when i met like i was going to school for audio engineering when we met years ago so so what do you think about our setup here that's audio why i was admiring the mics Oh nice microphones mics, like, nick yeah. where'd you get them anyways Better keep an eye on
2: these mics <laughs> <laughs> They might get
3: borrowed. yes oh. so but, good. Uh, <laughs> that's
4: so good I guess, I mean, it was just time like my, it, it came down to it for me personally, my folks were offered, um, somebody offered to buy the cemetery and the business from them. And it was kind of like, should I get off the pot, you know, for myself? Like, do I want to take over the business I've been working out for 10 at that point, about 10 years, you know, and go that route? Cause I'd need to fully commit that route and be, you know, a miserable guy my whole life. Because you know, right. I would have been miserable. deserved.
1: That miserable you know? person. But like I mean,
4: it was a great business. I, I I did appreciate what I did and everything I learned there. But it was, um, you know, it was obviously a lot of death, death face. Uh, there was yeah. a lot of grief involved. I wasn't. It was very hard to give a lot of myself to that. You Not know, for sure. This makes me happy. Oh, that's you know? good. So,
3: does <laughs> it? <laughs>
4: <laughs> Most of the time. <laughs> twenty nineteen and twenty twenty one.
3: It's a
2: whole other thing. Yeah, it's great to be the boss and it also sucks to be the boss like it's a lot of stress you know exactly what I'm talking about amen to that it's like (laughs) yeah it was fun you know and for a while after we were able to buy you know a a warehouse we were doing all our production so for a long time it was just the two of us in our warehouse producing bacon and sausage and then selling you know to the customers on the weekend right so it was great customer interaction and the rest of the time it's just the two of us and now you have a shop And now you have employees. Oh, yeah. And now you're supposed to be the adult. Yeah. And you're also the boss, but we're just still learning it ourselves, and it's like,
1: this is happening now. And then you got to deal with, like, the whole other side of, like, business, banks, insurance, fucking, And the list is so long. Yeah. It's so long.
2: It's a lot of stuff that was unexpected. The guest.
1: You got to deal with the guests.
2: Of course. You know, if it was just making sausage and talking to cool guests... Great, cool that's like cool I like how
1: the cool. Most of The them cool, are cool part before the guest is great.
2: Now I gotta say, a lot of our customers have yeah. been with us since the beginning, that's and nice. have followed us, and are great. You know, yeah. people are in a pretty good mood when they come and see us, and we try to make sure that they stay in a good mood. And then, you know,
1: we. I almost beat a kid up outside of your shop <laughs> one time. <laughs> wow. You hear that story? I tell you guys the story.
2: Wait, outside <laughs> of our place? Yeah, You're, I remember <laughs> that. I thought yeah. you were saying like a new. No, no 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 recently. no no
1: no! That was that one incident. He's being a little <laughs> fuckface. That kid.
2: You know, I don't know. I appreciate that. I, I honestly
4: think you set him straight because he still comes through the shop and he's, and now he's you a know. respectful fuck instead of being a little piece of shit, nah, little rich. fuck. Yeah. I mean, you know, everybody. Like she mentioned, everybody for the most part, I'd say ninety-nine percent of the people that come through our shop are there to be in a happy place, and yeah. it's not like. Well, I think it, it's know.
1: interesting because, like, where you guys are at. People I was like, oh, man, it's in Pinecrest. I was like, it's nothing but families out there. So I can imagine how that is great. You know, like yeah. for, for your kind of business, you're offering them something that they don't get anywhere else. Because the supermarket is never going to offer them the quality. of. I'm telling you, that steak that I got from you guys the other day, I, I don't know if I texted you after. It was fucking yeah, that amazing. Yeah. So fucking delicious.
3: Yeah.
1: I mean, I cooked it. I mean, I hung it for like an hour, cooked it. I had a piece of it. And I'm not like a huge red meat guy. It was fucking delicious. I loved it. And, and they was- crushed it. I served it with uh, foie gras jus. So I took our beef jus and then I buzzed, like cooked foie gras into it. And it was that. Um, oh, and anchovy butter. All right. That so, great. Yeah, it was so good. So good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then we served like a side of like yuca and like side veg or whatever it is. But it was amazing. But that's like they don't get that out there, right? Because all they have is supermarkets. And some supermarkets do better than other ones. But they're still a supermarket, so they don't have the eye for quality. They're trying to feed the masses. You know, people go there for something, which is, I think you're gonna get you're gonna have better luck doing that in like Pinecrest than you are, I don't know, in the Gables, for it's instance. All you know? Meadow
2: Bay too. I mean, even further south. But I yeah. know for me personally, my my whole plan for this place is to be your neighborhood mom and pop butcher shop, sandwich shop. That's what we wanted, and right. honestly, if a place like this had existed. Eight years ago, and I could have bought my sausage there, we never would have started this business.
1: Right. Well, you Miami know? is still so new for all of this. You know, like, I tell people all the time, we've only been around cooking for 40 years, 50 years, maybe. So, we have opportunities to be the first, you know, in an area to do something that you can't get anywhere else. I mean, I think that's awesome. I mean, I, I, it's great when people do it well. There's also the people that don't do it well. But
4: I think we have more people that do it well than don't
1: you know so how long has the shop been open now
4: it's like i would say a little over two years about two year two and a quarter oh yeah yeah
1: so a full year of that was pretty much during covid
4: no we had our actually our two-year anniversary was april so about a month into everything right we're celebrating yeah so
2: yeah it's like the terrible twos
4: that is the terrible (laughs) we're in the
1: terrible (laughs) twos twos twos. right now for real that was terrible twos.
4: yeah it hasn't been i mean it's been obviously terrible in a lot of ways, um, with what's going on you know, right. with everything. Um, we've been fortunate enough to be open, you know, as you've seen in some capacity, um, we're not still fully open, like to let allow people indoors, but as far as full service, we've been doing everything we've always done, like as far as all the uh, butchery and the prepared foods uh, for takeout at least. Right. Um, so, you know, we've, we've been fortunate in that sense cause a lot of people haven't been able to be open,
1: Cool. Know? And I mean, so, I remember we spoke uh, towards the beginning of quarantine. I know you did a, a thing with Nick. So, I feel like certain like pockets of business kind of not... Flourished is a bad word, but weren't as affected as others. And you guys feel like you're one of those pockets? People kind of leaned on more? They
2: found us. Yeah. In the beginning, I mean, there was a time where people were going crazy buying fresh meat i mean publix had run out of chicken and our you know our our chain hadn't been affected you know we're bringing in high quality proteins right um so we were still getting regular deliveries of meat yeah you know we started diversifying we're carrying eggs and milk and more grocery items as well and then when people didn't want to go to publix they didn't want to go to the grocery store they could come see us and and we did well i mean the first two months and safely too you know we didn't let anybody inside but for the first two months, it was just a nonstop rush. I mean, it was just adrenaline going. And, yeah, people people were, I don't want to say they were hoarding food, but they were panicking. Yeah, people panicking. People buying panicking. hundreds of pounds of chicken at a time. Really? To, yeah. I,
4: what did I deliver? It was like almost 500. No, it was a couple hundred pounds of protein to somebody out. In a compound in the Redlands. Like, basically, like, we're setting up shop for the next few months and not coming out. Shut
3: the fuck up, Kind of
4: thing. So, it was, like, pretty intense days for a minute. Like, yeah, people were buying a lot of stuff kind of. I'm actually wondering, you know, there was a bit of a lull thereafter, and we were just always joking, like, people's freezers, you know, you got to clean out these freezers now. You've been sitting on all this meat. People were buying a lot of meat, you know, because the stores, obviously, the panic made sense at the time because, obviously, you went to the store and there was nothing there. So, you know. Human psychology is going to, yeah, we got to go make sure we have enough of this to yeah. set us up for however long. You know?
1: Like I mentioned before, I mentioned to you guys when I went by the shop a couple of weeks ago, I was like the, because Chugs, we kind of did the same thing. We're more like leaning towards produce and like those weird things. Like we did prepared things and we would do things, kids for people to take home. We did some meats, but not a ton. Like we would do fresh fish, which was a big one. But people, I mean, they would call us and do their entire grocery list. Just like 300 bucks. And at Chugs, that's, like, fucking huge. Like, I mean, it's a small coffee shop. So when you're calling in a $300 grocery order, like, it was massive. You know, like, people buying two dozen eggs, two gallons of milk, fucking five pounds of skirt steak. Like, it's a lot of shit. And I, I was... I knew the day that it ended when I went to the grocery store myself and I saw toilet paper back in the shelf. And I was like, oh, this is over now for us. And it's crazy. The next week... I saw our sales decrease by 20%. And I was like, it's just, you know, it's ease. You know, people are used to this. They come here. They know. But I think it's interesting because hopefully now there's people that will come back to you guys because of that experience.
2: We had a lot of new customers because of that. People are like, we had no idea you existed. This is great. You know, a lot of that still. And still now we're getting new customers from word of mouth. I mean, that's all.
1: Well, look at like when we spoke last time about Margie. Right? Like my I remember when when we did a thing, uh, like when I said we were gonna change chugs into a grocery store, my biggest concern were the farmers getting left out for nothing. And then I spoke to Margie and she was like, No, our CSA is like up two hundred percent. I'm like, Well that's great, but I still need some produce. <laughs> <Like that's laughs> up. You know, so um, I like I found that super interesting. Like now you have people like going back to their roots and buying local produce. Like, where were you a year ago? Why aren't you doing that on a regular basis? Why do you need a catastrophic fucking
4: pandemic To go back to wh- how Things should be,
1: kind of, you know
4: Convenience Yes, unfortunately Like, that's Why do we I mean, I'm, we're guilty of it too But why the hell do we Everybody use Uber Eats so much Just convenience like, Convenience I, I mean, mean
1: You do Uber Eats at the shop? Yeah, we do Uber, yeah. Yeah. Man, I hate them so much It's
2: a double-edged
4: sword yeah. I know, I get it, I understand
2: An evil necessity
4: Yeah, I mean, but is it like a necessity, though? I I mean, the volume, especially during COVID, the volume has been, you know. Did you raise your prices on it? On Uber? Yeah. From the beginning. Like, I wasn't, you know, they they do charge a hefty commission. And, um, you know, unfortunately, again, I agree. If you want convenience, you're going to pay for it. That's my my thing. So, no, I'm not going to eat that margin. So, yeah, our delivery prices are higher than our takeout prices.
1: Yeah, we did the same thing. I just feel like that's the right move to do. I mean, if you're going to pay for if you want it to be convenient, you're yeah. going to pay for it to be convenient.
4: You I mean, know? they are charging the, the user a service fee and everything else. on I mean, time. I understand they have overhead, but, you know, I'm sure they're eventually going to make some money off of this idea. So.
1: Nah, the evil <laughs> yeah. empire will make money eventually. <laughs> yeah, Nick loves when I call him the evil empire. So, tell me, I, and I, I know it's kind of redundant because I feel like we've been talking about this obviously for the full year, but that first uh, week, when COVID started, what was the vibe for you guys?
2: Confusion. Yeah. Just general, what is going on right now? How do we... Are we going to be affected? Yeah. Are we going to get sick? Uh, is our business going to close? What do we need to do? Like, right away, it was like, what do we need to do to keep going? Right. And again, it was pure adrenaline. After it's that first... Survival. Survival, yeah. It was it.
1: it was it. I feel like that moment of, like, confusion was everyone. Because it's like, what do we do? And then I I feel like we all just figured it out on our own. Because there was not really any, like, clear cut, you should do this. It was like, you should do this, but maybe you should do that. And this thing that we told you to do probably won't work. But then this thing is new and this may work. I felt like it was like six, it's been six months of like that.
2: Yeah, but you're on an entirely different level than what we were doing. I mean, we were easily able to close our doors and keep customers out and not be as affected as obviously you are with Yes, and
1: everything well i mean remember we were we also were forced to close completely at least here uh and at nave for i don't know what was it five months you know chugs did pretty much what you guys do which was like you know closed door no one's allowed in and um we just did fucking that takeout model pretty much uh and the grocery store which worked out well for five months but Here, it was like, every day, so what now? Because takeout, like, everyone did takeout. Everyone did delivery. Everyone did all those things. So it's like, so how do you separate yourself? I'm like, I don't really know. I I didn't totally get into this to do takeout or delivery, so I don't really know. It's like kind of when people ask you to do events, and they're like, they want a buffet, and I'm like, I've never done a fucking buffet in my life, so I don't know how to do this shit. So it was a lot of, like, that, and then just kind of, like, we were fortunate we, we have extremely talented people because then it was like Devin was able to do a pop-up. She did. Then Devin did ice cream and everyone loved it. Uh, Justin did fried chicken night. Um, we did, you know, uh, Taco Tuesdays. We did anything and everything. We did whatever we could. You know, we did uh, Sunday supper, like Italian style with like, you know, Sunday gravy stuff. And it all worked thankfully but we could only do that because there's like so many people here that are good at their job that we were able to do it Devin started making all of her own bread she was making bread before but now she's making all of it and then we were selling that and just like it was massively um, it was exhausting of all the like all right now this now that now this so
3: I don't know I I, I,
1: like
4: I, I didn't know. I did, after a while, I was like, I don't know what to do now. I'm, like, a little exhausted, you know? I think kind of we've been in that mode for a minute now because, yeah, after that first month where it was, like, just constantly moving the goalposts, moving, okay, now we got to do this, now we got to do this, now we got to shut down this much, and now we got to adapt this. You know, once you get to that part of equilibrium where you're just exhausted of, like, just get coronavirus out, you know? Like, you get worn out by everything. You know? What do you
1: think the vibe is now for your, for your guests?
4: I think that some probably are a little frustrated right now that they can't get inside the shop, which I completely understand, because especially on the, not so much the takeout aspect, but the butchery aspect, like, people want to see their meat. And I completely understand that from being on the consumer side of things. Like, I'd like to see what I'm going to buy. And that's the whole point of a butcher case is to just put on display beautiful cuts of meat and preparations and things that you produce that, you know, are appetizing to the eye and make people want to buy them. And now they can't do that. They're, like, looking through a window full of glare into a case that's got glare on it and getting frustrated. And, you know, it, it is what it is for right now. Um, reality is we have our little girl in there right now doing school. Right. So she's doing school right now. So um, there's no school until she can go back to school. And I'm not really, like, keen on letting a bunch of people in the shop just yet. For sure. Um, not to mention that we were getting ready to reopen in the summer when things were kind of gearing up with the first reopen, the initial phase. And then, um, you know, whereas we were getting supplied up and geared up over the course of a week or two, that's when all the numbers kind of started turning and things. July. Yeah. Around July, May, May, June, July, somewhere in there. You know, when, like I said, when they, when they first did the, the phase one, I don't time. I have no idea concept of the time. Me right either. Now. I, don't think I just best. know that we're in the so same you said July, same I'm year. like, yeah, sure. Like, yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but, that's, um,
1: that's when they shut down again. Right. And then, so that's when we, like, Ariet stayed open, and now they closed because it was much bigger, harder to run. Right. So, and then it was like again because numbers. We had a Sunday that cases went up to fifteen thousand in a day. So.
4: Yeah. So we bought the stuff. we were, like getting ready to do it, and I'm like, no, it's not worth it. Like, you know, it's not broken. What we were doing, however awkward outside that it is, is working to some degree. I mean, we're still here. So. Right. You know, kind of in a way, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. I would love to welcome people into our shop. I'd hope to by the holidays. I really wish we can get there as, like, you know, a country and a, and a local community to, to do that and get our, you know, get to a point of safety where we can do that, you know. But it is what it is. It's all played by air this year, right? Like, we're yeah, all I mean, just playing well, everything by air. It's so. also,
1: I mean, for you guys, you have your kid in there that's, like, pretty much doing school right now, right? Yeah. The whole virtual learning. Yep. Which seems crazy my sister's a teacher so you know i talk to her a lot about it and it's just like it seems intense
2: it's so, tough. it's so tough i see the frustration on the teacher's face and our kid is in the first grade and and our little one too i mean they get distracted so easily and it's hard for them to stay focused and and we try i mean at recess time i try to take her outside and play on the scooter for 15 minutes to get some fresh air and right. just you know but we're lucky; she's at the shop with us. We're both there to help her. Right. I can't even imagine some of these other people that don't have, or trying to take their kid to work, or I don't even know what people are doing right
1: now. Right. I have
2: no idea what people are
1: doing. And then now they're talking about reopening schools in October.
2: Yeah, that's weird too.
1: It's weird too, because we don't really know.
2: They need it. They need to be in school, but but we don't know.
1: We don't know. That's the biggest thing is that we don't know. So like, I don't know. I don't know who to believe anymore at this point. I'm like exhausted of like, oh, this guy's right. But now he's wrong. And then that guy's right, but he's wrong now too. And then that guy, I never liked him to begin with. So it's like, I feel like that's the whole dynamic of kind of like the world right now.
2: Yeah. It's just trying to make it through the day. (laughs) And you're like, okay, we're doing this again.
1: Booze sales are up though.
2: (laughs) (laughs)
3: Yeah.
1: Booze sales are are through the roof. I guess, yeah. So we talked about COVID. We talked about the beginning of the shop. What about the future of the shop?
2: That's a good question. I mean, I remember in the first few months, we were getting approached left and right. People, oh, do you want a franchise? How about opening a spot here? How about opening it? And for me personally, having one spot is like our baby. We can focus on that. We can do this properly, have a nice, simple life, going to work every day and doing what we want. Or I guess we can expand and make it bigger and spread ourselves out more and just... I don't know. Fuck it up. And fuck it up, yeah. And for me, I'd rather just focus on our on our thing and do it properly, maybe grow in the space that we have now, but right. to open a second location and spread ourselves out. And I don't know. Right now, I I don't see that happening, but I'll never say never. I guess, right. you know, who knows what the future holds, but...
1: It's kind of like what, what you said, uh, uh, growing within the space you have. When I went to uh, Butcher in New Orleans... I mean they used to have that one stall or one space um, and then they took over the space next to it and then they extended it to be more of like a sandwich shop because before it was just like butcher shop that's how they grew within their space i mean that guy's got a ton of things but like that's how they made it bigger within the space that they had and they that place i've never been there and not seen it fucking slammed that place but that's kind of like you know i feel like that's just for me, it's always been the smartest thing to do, like, grow within the space you have. Because when you start to expand of, like, another babes in, like, North Miami, like that's a drive. Who's going to drive there every day? Yeah. Who's going to upkeep quality? Do they have your kind of quality? Do they have his kind of quality? It's a whole other different level of stress. And I don't, like, every day I kind of wonder why, why, why people do that, you know? Is the
2: reward greater? I don't know. What's it depends the what the reward is. Financially? Right. I can only imagine more stress on yourself What is your quality of life You know, What's it about, is it only about working I don't
1: know I think the reward for everyone is different A lot right. of people look at it financially
4: though And the, the, the quality Of what you're doing too Like, I mean you're just I, don't, I mean the reward would just have to be Financial I would imagine like.
1: Well but some people their goal when they start Is to be like yeah
4: I want to have I
1: want to start this and I want to open 20 of these That's Some true. people start that way Right. You know, like they want to build a concept for that. I mean, I built this concept to be this concept. I don't want, I don't want any more Ariettes. I don't want any more Ariettes anywhere ever. I just want the one, because this one already stresses me out enough. So I could only imagine if I had more than one of these.
2: But some people, I guess, thrive on the stress and the excitement and the drama.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I kind of thrive on stress. Like I, you know, I feel I, I work best when I feel like my back's up against the wall and it's like very difficult. Um, but there's a lot of days I regret feeling that way too. So I don't know. And when you, uh, kind of like look at the future of the industry, what do you feel? Cause like, I know when I look at through our lens of like the industry and where we're going, it's very like uncertain and I don't know
0: what
4: to think, you know? I mean, as far as the, the restaurant industry specifically, yeah. like sit down, dining, I, that's murky waters. Like, I couldn't honestly tell you. It, it's, at least for the next year's minimum, it's going to be uncertain because, I mean, even if we were to say this was cure, you know, we had a cure tomorrow. Right. How long psychologically do you think everybody's ready to get back to normal? No, you know, I mean, like, it's not going to be instantaneous. You know, there's going to be a 6- to 12-month period at least of people that... You know, I, the most extreme ends that have been, you know, rightfully, like, having a quarantine for whatever health reasons and things like that, that, you know, for rightfully so have been scared to come out. How long is it going to be before they're ever comfortable to come out again? You right. know, like, and then just the ramifications of that and how that's going to play out to, like, people coming to sit down in a restaurant again. And, but
2: I think there's another half of the population no, that right. can't
4: wait to come out. You, they won't
2: even stay home now. Yeah. Like, no? as soon as you say, okay, we got a cure, bam, there, it's going to be... Oh, Falls to the wall. Okay. Yeah, I mean it's day happening day. now. Yeah. I mean, there's we, both. Like, how... Yeah.
1: There's... I see, like, there's an interesting... I find there's, like, three different people. It's the people that are, like, they're not going to leave their house, and they haven't, and they don't plan to. And then there's the people that uh, don't give a fuck, and they're like, we, this is all bullshit, it doesn't exist, whatever, we're out there. But once, like... I, Nick, did you see this? This happened today. There was, like, a Target in Broward or something that there was a march <laughs> the anti-mask protest the anti-mask right? protest through a target
0: yeah I, I haven't seen the video but I heard about it my favorite I think my mom told me that she saw this comment somewhere uh, so the story is right that they did this protest they were like they went in with their masks they were playing we're not going to take it anymore on some like I don't know it was a boom box or <laughs> yeah, what yeah, I think he had
4: like a little boom box or and something
0: like or yelling or... at people to take off their masks and the comment my mom told me about I don't know whether she just saw it Online or a friend of hers, but it was uh, who let all these Walmart people in my Target? <laughs> that's good. No, that was pretty good. That's <laughs> going. Yeah, like that. And then
1: there's up. a, then there's the people that go out but very cautiously. You know that they're just like, kind of like, looking around their surroundings, and you know a lot of people have come here and, and been like, we feel great here. Thank you for like, you know,
2: this is the first time we've been to a restaurant.
1: Yeah, we. I mean, we do our best, you know, and I've been to a lot of restaurants that do like a very good job. And then I've left, I've gone to restaurants and left and been like, you don't care. And if you don't care about this, then there's a lot of other things that you probably don't care about. So I'm just going to fucking leave, you know, so. The industry is like, because we've already seen so many things close. And we're going to continue to see things close over the next like 12 months because of what you said. People are just like not they're just not going to go out yet because they don't feel comfortable. You know?
4: Yeah, It's it's going to reverberate for a time. That's, what, that's all I'm saying. It's like So however long it takes to get to this cure, right? Or at least so people, you know, I, I read somewhere months ago about how pandemics ends, and sometimes it ends just because people decide it ends. Not necessarily medically it disappears or back virus disappears, but society as a whole just decides uh, we don't give a shit anymore. Like, a certain amount of people are just going like, okay to, like, get it and just going to have to deal with it. Like, that's how historically some pandemics have ended, um, of just people just being like, I don't give a fuck anymore. Like, <laughs> this is it. I'm Thanks tired of this. this. Like, I'm going out. Like, Very interesting. So, and I mean, I guess that's some of, like, the herd immunity stuff that people talk about, like, trying to achieve herd immunity, like, however they think they could do it. Um, I guess that's some of that kind of, like, thought process, but. Oh, wow. so we
1: have food here. This is our cheese. This is, like, not usually on the menu. Um, this is, like, we, we've only had it on the menu for a little while. It's just flaw in, uh barbecue deal. And we usually smoke it to order. So it's, like, uh, oh, wow. we smoke it with this bay rum wood that I get from Margie. And uh, it comes usually with lychee, like, a lychee fluid gel, uh, lychee puree, and tarragon. So... Yeah.
2: Yeah, I've been slacking on our charcuterie forever. All these like little projects. I'm like, when well, we have time, I'll be able to do this, I'll make some more pate, I'll do that. And then you get so stressed out by just the day-to-day yeah, keeping the shop afloat and open afloat. and all the regular stuff that there's no time to do anything else. And we have such a small crew that there's, you know, he's still doing everything at the shop. I mean, it's it's hard to get anything else done.
1: I I wish that I could Uh, do more with the program but it's like you said you just get inundated with a bunch of stuff like this is what i've trained everyone to do so this is what we do and like i feel very good that they do this and they do it well and i'm like happy about that but i want to do like we used to do a hunter sausage that i loved and we used to do pate en croute that i love yeah you know like other things that i love doing we just haven't like there's so much yeah we had like the morcia i'm just i'm happy that they're at a place that I feel comfortable with them making it because I used to make it every week. So um, now they do it, which is great. But on the subject of charcuterie, which to me is like, like such a lost art form, I think. I find people very much enjoy it. I feel like the more outside of the basic realm you get, which is like cured hams, you know, you get your prosciutto and your iberico and whatever... Chicken liver mousse is pretty straightforward. Pate is pretty straightforward. Um, you know, like a riette, that's all like straightforward things. But when you start to leave that realm, I feel like people get a little more shaky. You know, and you start to get into like the stranger things, like fish, like pates, people never touch ever, which is fine because they're a little weird,
4: honestly, but... Um,
2: but yeah, and there's some the people that like the other stuff, too. I mean, we were making a porchetta di testa oh, I love for that. a while, and people, once they found out...
4: Well, we were sampling. It. That's the thing. You just got to we get it in people's
2: mouths. Yeah, so it was tough.
1: The sampling part, I feel like, is what actually gets people there. So usually when people are first-timers time, first here, I'll send them, like, a single-piece charcuterie with whatever, and then I'll get them, and then that gets them, like, next time they come back, they'll order it. They'll order, like, the whole thing. You know, yeah. like... Uh, we usually just sell by the piece, but this is like when you get the whole thing, this is what it all comes with, like one piece of everything. So,
4: You guys eat. You talked about some like future stuff, but um, I definitely can say like if we have any goals like beyond COVID, if we're talking like future of like the shop, um, not necessarily like doing, you know, multiple iterations of it, but definitely expanding. Like you were talking about growing within our space, but um, yeah, dry curing and more. Uh, whole animal butchery and charcuterie is definitely like the focus of where we've been trying to go, and also um, f- where we're at in Florida kind of sucks for meat in yeah. a way for to get local meat. Tough. We're in a really tough spot down here. Very, very and tough. You go about, you know, you, once you hit Orlando, you're, you, your access. I mean, even once you get around the lake, I mean, right. you can start getting a little bit better. But there's also a dearth of slaughterhouses down. Like, there's one slaughterhouse, like pretty much in this whole southern region of Florida. And Which they're pulls, not, it's
1: like a co-op. It
4: pulls from several ranches in yeah. Florida. And then they're like
1: the one USDA plant that they can actually like process yeah.
4: there. Um, I know somebody that's kind of trying to change that, but like, it's still, we're in such an embryonic stage down here to try to get any like local, you know, we, we do source some whole hogs from Houston, Yeah. Um, you know, from time to time. But even that, I know there's somebody local that's doing, a, you know, full-blooded wagyu down in Homestead now. Oh, yeah? But it's, like, things are on a still a very small scale. Um, it's hard to, you know, I'd like to ideally, you know, be able to buy, like, more Florida, you know, meat. meat. I right. mean, that's the goal. Um, and then be able to do more whole animal butchery with that. Um, you know, we do whole hogs, but I, you know, would like to start getting, like, so, you know, quarter happy and stuff like that.
1: That's kind Um, of like my overall goal for the company is to have a place within the company that we do whole animal butchery and we just send it out to places within the company. Same thing with like charcuterie Like have your own
4: commissary butcher on... on, I mean,
1: we would want it to be fronted by something. Right. I mean, like when I was a younger cook, my thing was charcuterie. And that's how I got a lot of jobs. It's because I could make a pate, because I could butcher animals, because I could do things. Like, it's crazy to me how many kids nowadays don't know how to butcher a chicken. It's wild. Like, butcher the chicken. And they're just like, I don't know. And I'm like, what do you mean? You spend like 150 grand to go to school, you're not a butcher of fucking chicken? Like, what do you mean? I don't understand. Make a simple pate. Like, country pate is like... It's like chilled meatloaf. That's what we're looking at. You know what I'm saying? And that they don't... They don't understand it. You know, like... Pickle. Like, pickling things. It's pretty rudimentary.
2: It's a lost art form. It's one of the most... I don't want to say basic. But it's one of the first things... In preserving foods that, right. you know, our grandparents did, our great-grandparents did, and it was lost upon generations. That's where my grandparents used to cure their own prosciuttos. They right. had a small, you know, sheep and goat farm in northern Canada, and you'd go into their cellar, and it was full of casts of wine that they were making, hanging prosciuttos that they had cured, salamis, vegetables, everything. Right. Everything was made, you know, at the house.
1: Well, now, like, the in the culture that we live in today, you don't have to preserve things. That's the thing Everything You're so like You throw everything away You're okay with Throwing things away You fucking You don't care So It's a different culture And also Since Society has grown To a place that They don't care about Seasonality at all Like How dare you tell someone That they can't have a tomato In August Listen man It's not It's not These are not This is not the time For tomatoes here Like if you want A piece of cardboard Just go eat a piece of cardboard But this tomato You're gonna eat It's gonna taste like Fucking cardboard but people don't care and They don't. They don't want to hear it. So, you know, I think that's why it's a lost art form because uh, society has structured it that it's not needed. That craft is not needed. Like what we enjoy doing is not needed. But it's so good. Oh.
3: people want it. <laughs> I know. But they want it, and I they know. pay for it. Yes. So
4: I agree. And they appreciate it because we, you know, people that have found us. Um, because of COVID, and have wandered into our shop rather than Publix, um, find themselves appreciating what we do. Right. We kind of appeal to like the old school generation that this is what they remember, this is how they used to shop, and this is how they used to buy things. And then also to younger ki- younger people, not that it's a novelty, but it's just different. Like it's kind of it's old school, and you know. Like, Sometimes old is trendy. Like old things are trendy, and um, old things are super trendy right yeah. now. That's what all. I mean, the, everything's that's What all, what all the cyclical. kids like now? Well, all, I mean, things are cyclical. Fast. It all it all comes in cycles. So you know, um, the old is new again. You know the. the
1: it's. I, I everyone always thought it was weird when I really loved charcuterie. Like when I was a younger cook, everyone was like, "Why do you like that?" I'm like, "Cause it's cool." I don't fucking know. Like porchetta, the test. I remember I started. I learned how to make that when I was like 25, and I fucking loved it. Yeah. So good, deboning the pig's head and like. Well, we
2: have, in our shop, we had a big window that faces into the production area. So when we'd be bringing in whole hogs, people would get a kick out of, you know, us taking, breaking down the hog. And then, you know, I'm peeling the face off of the head. Right. And for some people, they'd never seen anything like that before. Right. So I remember around the holiday time, we'd bring in the little cochinitas, tiny little baby suckling pigs, and put them right in the front case. And sometimes people would walk in and leave. I had somebody turn around because they couldn't see the sight of a whole pig, this little face. I, it's like, this is where your food comes from. This is right. what it is. Yeah. You know?
1: I, I, have a, I have a harder time dealing with those people that don't understand that in order to really respect the animal, you need to understand what you're doing. You're eating the animal. You need to understand what you're doing. And that's why it's better to pay for good product that's treated well. And by, you know, prepared by good people that care about that product in comparison to, you know, Tyson Chicken or I don't know what other, what other brands there are out there, you know, that treat their stuff terribly. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. And that's always the interesting dynamic I've seen with people is like they don't want to see that, but they still eat it. I'm like, you got to understand this is what happens. Somebody does this. Just because you don't see it doesn't mean that it doesn't happen. But it happens. You know? Weird. Weird. Like it. And then also, when you guys hire cooks, do you ask them what their butchering skills are like?
4: I don't think so. No, and I mean, in all honesty, that's the cooks that we've hired have just been strictly there to cook. Like, I see the, butch- the butchering as, like, the next step. Right. You know, bringing somebody onto the line... You know, for us is like because what we do is pretty short order. Like, yeah, it's a lot of scratch made stuff, but I mean, we're not really doing anything. I mean, I don't want to say we're like Waffle House, but we we really are doing just a lot of short order stuff. Right. Um, simple builds with just like good scratch ingredients. Um, so I don't. You know, I mean, that's the initial thing. I don't. I don't really. I don't know, consider butchery as like a like a background for our cook because um, I I look to, I look at it more as like okay, you want to come on to this, like you can learn. With us, you know, right. like I mean, if you have the background, great. It's only helpful, but I don't. I've never really considered that, to be honest with you. Yeah, we still,
3: um, do we still all have a, ourselves. I mean, we're it's still like, baby.
4: We're still a baby business. Yeah. I mean, yeah. We're six people, including ourselves, and over like the course of our shop, we've probably had a total of dozen people working for us. So we really haven't gone through a lot of people. We have, you know, a guy that's been there what two years now. You know, hmm. not long after we've been open. Mike. Mike. No, well, Mike's been there. Mike's been there. A, A little over, almost a year and a half now. time now. good people.
1: You know, you said you worked at Joanne's. I worked at Norman Brothers when I was was young, young. And that's like when I kind of fell in love with this stuff. That's where I learned how to butcher a chicken. I was like 15 years old. And um, I had like the weirdest jobs there. Like I would just kind of like do whatever. Okay, I was going to build sandwiches that day. I was going to break down the cheese that day and wrap the cheese and like weigh it. And then, you know, they would price it, whatever, and then put it in the shelf. I, I had no idea at that time, like, what that would, how that would influence me forever, you know? But I love that shit. Like, now, when I went to Chicago and I went to Public and Quality Meats, like, I was like, this is, like, fucking Taj Mahal butcher shops. One, it's fucking big. And they do all their curing because they have a gigantic company, so they do all the shit for themselves. I think it's fucking, that shit to me is amazing, you know? Like, and it's, there's so little of it, you know? There's, like, you guys, and I don't, I don't know really know many of this proper
4: down here that was proper
1: proper i mean i think that's it right now i don't yeah i mean like when you go to like there's ricky's butcher shop but they already buy a lot of cuts done and they buy a lot of like trash products they're not about good product they're just about product period so like i don't know that's pretty much it there's two
2: it's hard to find like the custom butcher because there are a lot of people right now out there selling good quality meats um from what i understand most of them are Prepackaged, frozen. And again, it's that convenience thing. So some yeah. people do want that. They want that really nice, clean, cut, frozen little piece of meat. Great. But that's not what we do. I mean, we try to keep everything in primals and try to cut to order. If yeah. possible. I mean, I'm going to cut that steak for you when you come in and order it. Right. So and you have a question for me, great. I'll, I'll answer it right now. I'm the one that's going to cut it for you. So yeah. we have that very personal one-on-one experience with the customer.
1: So, so that, when when I ordered that ribeye from you guys, would you have left that in the four bone in the in the case? When yeah. we were
2: open. Yeah, that would have been
1: You would have left it that way and then people would have ordered it yeah. and say, "Okay, I want one bone or two bone or I whatever."
2: Mean, I, when we were really busy in the you, summer on like a on, on a Saturday, Saturday maybe yeah. I'd cut four ribeyes and four at a time. That's the most of it cuz we knew that, you know, it's going to be a busy day, but for I'd rather yeah, just I, keep it whole and cut like um we're moving it yeah, yeah but skirt steaks i mean i'm peeling them last minute you come in and buy one it's, it's peeled right then and there for you so you're gonna wait you know five ten minutes but i'm gonna cut your tenderloin to order when you come right. in. so
1: what do you think about tenderloin
2: it's <laughs> yeah. so, a good
1: question uh. oh yeah we're talking about uh, filet mignon here oh, God.
4: tell me tell me your real thoughts about it it's it's, it's mel's favorite is it? It's their favorite thing to cut. Yeah. So How much do you cut of it?
2: I go through I mean I'm not doing a lot. Maybe five to seven tenderloins a week. Oh, people bad. love tenderloin. People love and I don't get it.
1: I don't get it either. I don't get it. So you know I get it for like certain things, like no, actually I don't get it.
2: For babies. No, I was. You like, know, like, tenderloin no, because I was I was about
1: like, you know, I guess I like Wellington's
4: people. Yeah, oh, wellingtons. Wellington? I get yeah, that's no, the only. Cool. Is that acceptable for a Wellington?
1: Yeah, no. I mean, it's cool for a Wellington. But I, I mean, I. Yes, for a Wellington, I don't know. I, I just like me also not being like a red meat person. Like, I never go to a restaurant like let me get the steak, ever. I just look at a fillet and I'm like, I don't get it. It's so fucking expensive. Yeah. It's so expensive. But I
2: mean, on the other hand, I do get it. Some people that don't like fat on their steaks, people will ask me to cut off all the fat their steak I'm like, what? what's the point I of that? We'll ask you to do that yeah cut all the fat off that ribeye what what yeah wait let me ask
1: you when you do that though do you charge them pre-cut pre-trim or post-trim
2: no i'll charge them post-trim oh yeah You're yeah nice only because <laughs> i would
1: definitely charge them <laughs> no, no, no no
2: but i mean for some things like i quartered a chicken today but i charge you know the whole chicken cost and then i quartered that but um no i mean because we're we're not wasting anything we're using absolutely everything, so I know that that little, you know, four ounce piece of ribeye fat is going to go into the burger blend, Ooh, or at yeah. worst, we're going to render it down and cook French fries in it.
1: I like that. So <laughs> now we're not you piqued my interest. Okay. Beef fat French fries has pallow. My... That's
2: all we're doing is rendering all the fat from the butchery we do during the week. Oh, we'll have a pot on the stove almost every day. every day, rendering that fat to use in our fryer.
1: Oh, that sounds good. I it like that. I, I just... Yeah, we
4: just put, like, new oil in the fryer this morning, and for, like, the whole day, it's kind of, like, Glade air freshener beefs, beef smell. That's yeah, I, I like. like. That's an <laughs> air freshener I
1: can get behind.
4: <laughs> like, it does wonder on the fries, man. It's, oh, like... I mean... Yeah. It's, I feel like beef That's why McDonald's like, was so successful. Like, what? Did they do it in tallow? They originally did up until the mid-90s. Yeah, there's, that's like, a, a really good uh, Malcolm Gladwell podcast about that whole think with the revisionist history, well, I'm sorry for shouting out other podcasts on your podcast it's here. It's fine.
1: But like, we support some others, just not Joe Rogan because he took all of our Spotify money. But, but yeah, anyway.
4: it's a good story because they were actually selling their fries, like, primarily fried in beef towel, which was gave it all the flavor that everybody loved. And then because of the, like, cholesterol and uh, saturated fat health concerns that were, like, all the rage in the 80s and 90s, they went trans, uh, hydrogenated trans fats, um, you know, for their blend which is what I'm pretty sure they still use to this day. So somewhere around there, they switch the fries, like what the fries are fried in. And apparently, it makes you less full. So oh, yeah. apparently, the beef fat fries, that's why there was no super size. I guess. Supersize didn't really catch on prior because you didn't need past like a lar- medium or large. Like you were satiated by our fry. I mean, we don't serve a huge fry portion. Most people look at it and actually like, that's it. I mean, it's eight ounce of fries, but they're pretty big fries, so it always looks small. Right. But you eat an eight-ounce portion of fries, you're d- like, it's perfect. I've actually never perfect had of fries. Market.
1: What's the cut of fries? You do like steak cut or you do like thin cut fries?
4: We actually don't. We do, fro- I mean, I'll be honest, we buy a frozen, a really good frozen fry. Oh, so yeah? it's like a three-eighths, like in between a McDonald's fry and a nice steak fry. But oh,
1: so it's an in-betweener fry, a tweener. Yeah, a tweener. Yeah. I, um, I'm not a huge steak fry fan. Yeah. I like like that. Like a in in, I, but I'm also not a big French fry guy. No. I like chips. Fucking love chips. Yeah. Like kettle chips. I could fuck with that all day.
4: It, yeah. Did you ever like go down a uh, like a grocery store aisle in Canada? Like no, and, I didn't. It, I was first only in time for three days. I, first I time I went to Canada. Days. The chips. If you're in the chips, man. Canada. I did try the
1: ketchup Canada. chips. Yeah, that was a that's ketchup. That was like a for the tip of the iceberg. iceberg. I went <laughs> to I went to Garmage uh, Chuck Hughes place. Okay, and they did like this beautiful beef tartare i think it was a be- I think it was just regular beef tartare or it was a i don't remember a cut and uh they started
4: with ketchup chips awesome. and i was like this is delicious next you
2: gotta try all dressed what is that Plastic. oh is that with the white It's
4: like bagel? everything bagel everything bagel all potato dressed, chips baby.
2: it's like ketchup barbecue sour cream and onions uh, salt and vinegar that. dill pickle all mixed together and it makes this like amazing
1: one of the coolest experiences they're Tell everyone where you're from, because you're not. You're from Canada, right? So
2: I'm originally from northern Ontario, Canada, a small town called Timmins. Timmins. Timmins, uh. birthplace of uh, country music legend Shania Twain. <laughs> what's up, Shania?
1: <laughs> She'll be on the podcast next week, now that we've uh, shot her, her out. Tell her and say what's up. Yeah.
2: Um, yeah, so I've been living here now, in Miami, for 15 years. Oh. So now but you're from here. For now, I'm from here. But yeah, I grew up in Canada eating all those things where there was in my small town three butcher shops. There was a Portuguese shop. There was an Italian one and then there was a Polish. So there was that neighborhood spot where you went. And when I came here and I asked him, I'm like, so who's your butcher? Like, what? I don't have a butcher. Where do you get your sausages? Publix. Publix.
1: Publix. Publix.
2: Okay. Yeah. So had Jimmy Dean. That's, well, that's uh, not true though. No, but there no, was I would get the Publix butcher shop to make it. And it uh, okay. was the chorizo from Johnny Jones. Johnny Jones. Yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. Johnny Jones.
2: Okay, but I didn't grow up eating chorizo. I wanted good Italian sausage, like the one that I grew up eating. So right. that's but Johnny Jones. Shout out psyched. to Johnny Jones. Yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. yeah. It's
2: a tiny little shop, but they're. Like I've never been there. Doing his thing. That's, that's where we would buy Don meat Domingo? before we
4: started Don doing Domingo. this. Yes. It's like an offshoot. The daughter of the original owner of Don Domingo, her and her husband have a tiny little shop in Kendall. Yeah. Selling oh, goodies. Kendall. Kendall that's Kendall. Kendall. the town. I never, I never venture out to the, right, the that land where, of Kendall. That's where I fell in love with Vasillo. Yeah. That's where I like discovered, you know, really I like got into Vasillo and he had right. little homemade chorizos that were probably a little bit of an impetus for you to start making sausage too. Like we were buying these little, he was making chorizos there at the mart at his butcher shop. And, um,
2: Again, yeah, I'm like, I don't like Cody, so I'm gonna make my own. Yeah, class. it's
4: like, I can do this. What like, is that's churis, what churis? I mean. That's, you know, Mel's attitude.
1: I like it, though. I, l- I love, like, when I, so I, I've been to Canada twice. Once was not under good circumstances. I went to Toronto. And uh, my first experience was, like, real weird. I was in this, like, it's a big city, Toronto.
3: Yeah, it is.
1: But the first couple of days sucked. And then after that, we ended up in this small, like, village area. And that was pretty cool. And every and every other block, there was another bodega that had like fresh produce that was like from there. And then right next to it was pretty much like a butcher shop. And I was like, man, I could dig this. Like, I could. I, this is like my vibe, you know. Um, and then when I went to Montreal, it's like a totally different game. Yeah, game. that's like. A that's thing. when I, you know, we had we went to Les Banquises and we went to Garbajé and Joe Beef and Pete Dugoshon and like, it was Atlanta was like, it was fucking. That whole thing was uh, that was a, a trip that I would like to do again and stay longer the second time yeah. around I mean
2: our plan was this summer to go to Ottawa where I went to college and then probably try to get to Montreal the same thing He's never been and I haven't been in 20 years 25 years so
1: it's a trip that you will love forever bro Oh
2: my God I would never want to leave We joke about sometimes like okay let's move into Canada yeah I'm like where would we go? I'm like I don't know Montreal seems oh that would be a spot. I mean, but too much of a food scene we would never make it why because there's a million little butcher shops like us probably a hundred times better that have been there uh, for I don't know, 75 about years. Times
3: better
1: but there is a lot of food there there's a lot of food there's a lot, I mean listen Joe beef is there I mean Piet de Gochon is there I feel like the great places here can go there and they can and they can live you know but there's mo- much more of a scene there for sure I mean the food there the food I ate at Piet de Gochon was like it spoke to my soul. It was like beef tongue and duck in a can. And I was like, this is fucking amazing. <laughs> I love nice. it. Good. So, um... Yeah. This
2: marcia is great. You're
1: Good. Chowing down. I and like It's like it. a
2: maple glaze on here or something? Yeah, we
1: do smoked maple syrup with uh, fried hazelnuts and chives. So what's up? So, we're going to start to wrap this thing up. But I think to kind of like put it all together... Um, you know, we talked about like the opening of the shop, COVID of the shop, post things of the shop, and where the, where you see the industry going. What are like some of the things that you guys would really like to accomplish in 2021 once hopefully we're past this kind of interesting time?
2: Definitely what Jason said start curing our own meats, buying a, an ager, really getting into to aging some cuts. Um, doing more of the charcuterie, really focusing on one day making everything in-house. Yeah. Making everything in-house. Yeah. yeah. And just, and yeah, then building a good team around us. I feel like we've been thrown into this so fast that we never really took the time to to train our team properly, you know, with the vision that we had. Like when we first started this business, we kind of had an idea of what we were doing, but we are just... Rushing every day to get things done—that maybe we didn't give our team like the proper training they needed. I don't know. I mean, they're still a great team. Don't get me wrong.
4: But she's right because like uh, that kind of gets thrown out the window because like we started off just like running and kind of anti corporate as hell. So right, trying not to get out of that whole thing. But yeah, but curing—you know—bigger, better, more products. You know, this fun stuff.
1: I feel like the the kind of client that would go to your place would be the ones that want to know more you know like restaurants we get a mix of like people who really care and then people are just like trying to go out on a friday night so it's like an interesting kind of combo um but the people who go to a butcher shop like yours really want to know more because they're they're there for like the good shit so they want to know more about the good shit
2: and we're in a neighborhood right with families right we've seen kids grow up like they come every weekend like we know them so when they're happy that we're there, we're happy that they continue to support us. Mm. Like, we want, again, the mom-and-pop neighborhood shop. Right. That's what we want.
1: Like. That's amazing. Nick, what do you got? What do I got?
0: Yeah. I just have, w- have wine-down stuff. You the I don't have much to contribute to the conversation, but we can start winding yeah, down here. Yeah. Okay, so so we're going to do our, our usual wind-down thing what we always do is before we get to the part where everybody shamelessly plugs their own stuff we kind of go around the table and whatever you might want to recommend to people listening it could be absolutely anything a movie you saw a sandwich you ate a song that you're into now whatever that might be whatever you might want to recommend to the people in the world uh absolutely anything this is where that goes mike you got anything in mind I do just to give them a little time to think about it. Yeah, so and by the way, you each you can have as many of these as you
1: want. So yeah.
0: you don't have to like pick the one thing.
1: So I just finished watching a whole series. Well, first of all, I just watched the last episode of Cobra Kai and it was fucking amazing. It was the most high octane scene of karate I've seen in years. And I loved it. I'm a little surprised
0: that you're as into Cobra Kai as you've been. Why? I don't know, I just, something, I, I liked it, I enjoyed it, but I kind of thought, especially season two, you would find it, like, too, yeah. too corny. Yeah, no,
1: I mean, it was so corny.
0: Because the first season's corny in that, like, self-aware kind of way. The second season feels a little more like they realized how young their audience was and made it more teen drama.
1: I still found it very... It's fun. Yeah, it's fun. But, so I watched, from start to finish, a whole series on Netflix called Away. Man, so I, like, I loved, Grown up, I loved the movie Apollo 13 right with Tom Hanks this reminded me a lot of that like I haven't seen a movie that's just about space travel I'm like I'm a big sci-fi like dork like big Trekkie when I was a kid still now um but this is just about space travel but it's about getting to Mars amazing super well done and like acting is incredible um great cast just like overall i was shocked because usually a lot of these like netflix shows i'll watch one episode i'm like it's trash i'm done unless it's cobra kai and then i'm it but <laughs> that that um that show away like i watched the first one i was like all right let me watch the second one and i was like we watched all 10 episodes in a week
2: i will watch that on your recommendation yeah. i'm also a big space uh star trek nerd i'm gonna say for the past two months i have been <laughs> watching uh Star Trek The Next Generation to fall asleep and ease my anxiety so good into the night
1: Jean-Luc Picard is Jean the Luke best Picard. ever it's very, calming,
2: very. it's very calming and it also gives me a sense that the human race will make it Yes. We're getting. We're Amen. all. Star you know Trek what I does mean. That for Star everybody. Trek. everybody is eventually going to get along, yeah. and we're going to go to space, and we're going to do stuff. At least the
4: humans are. At least but the humans.
2: Are. There's all kinds of things. There's Klingon. As long as Patrick Stewart's around, we're good. I mean, I I'm comforted by his voice. So that's that's been my <laughs> I'm comforted comfort by his voice lately. Is no joke. TNG. What's
1: up? Super random, but one of my good friends is a writer for Picard, the mm-hmm. new Star Trek show. And he said that, like, one of the uh, most nerve-wracking experiences, like, he wrote two shows from the first season, was, like, when Patrick Stewart was on, like, on, like, just, like, in front of him. And he was, like, helping direct the whole thing because he wrote it. And it was, like, a thing. And he sent me a photo of, like, him in his chair and then Patrick Stewart in the chair. And it's, like, a big Trekkie. I'm, like, totally geeking out. Like, this is amazing. He says, fucking John Luke Picard, man. Like, this is intense. And he was, like, yeah, man, it was wild. Yeah. And he tells me. Because uh, I'm i I'm a Star Trek fan, but like very – there's some people that are very into it. There's some people that take it to a whole other level. And he's like, as long as Trekkies like this, then we're doing okay. Because it's like a crazy community, it those is. Star Trek people. So that's my recommendation.
2: That's so funny. I will away, piggyback on that.
1: Away on Netflix, Cobra Kai. Cobra Kai and I also just started watching uh, a new show called The Fastest Car. Okay. So it's about a uh, car that should win a drag race, right? And then three cars that are sleepers. So in the first episode, or first or second episode, that I, first episode that I watched, it was a um, Ford GT 450 or something. They did it like in commemoration of the Shelby Cobra from 40 years ago, which should win a 1927 Dodge pickup, a 2016 Honda Odyssey, and uh, the last car, what was the last car? Are these cars that have be been, like, modified? Let me get to it. They're <laughs> all I mean, cars that are Odyssey's mod- pretty fast. <laughs> yeah, no, they're, they're all, like, modified. Like, this guy was, like, a, a, a motor engineer that he had this Odyssey, and he wanted to make it, like, and he did all the, and then, you know, the GT was just the GT. So, anyways, that that show is very cool. Very cool, too. So, those those are my recommendations. That's what I got. Jason, Melanie, you got
4: stuff i'm glad we got our uh, so we've uh, coming from the farmer's markets we always made a lot of friends back then and um we started carrying a product for from some folks that we always loved at the markets it's a jamaican drink called sorrel and it's a uh, roselle you know the hibiscus roselle tea um heavy on the ginger all-spice clove and sweet as all hell and we started carrying that drink i've uh, mm. been crushing it it's just like super refreshing the amount of ginger in there just smack you up and like I know it's it's fueling a lot of people the shop right now. <laughs>
1: what was that drink I got there last week?
4: I'm gonna give you a, a peach knee how I did enjoy that? Yeah, it's a nice I flavor. I love all the old school sodas. Like I was a uh, Seth. Thanks to Seth, all our our craft sodas are curated by Seth. I'm not shocked by that <laughs> at all. Me, pretty much. And when I say curated, means I buy all the cases that he needs to get rid of. So yeah. <laughs> I, I'm not shocked by that at all.
1: Zero shot but it's words. It's words. I mean, they're all good, though. He's yeah. got good taste no, Awesome taste in soda. His taste in soda is usually pretty solid. It's taught me a few things. Yeah.
0: Did you have anything you wanted to throw in there? or?
4: Animal Crossing?
2: No, not a fan. <laughs> not
4: a fan. What's an Animal Crossing? It's, it's a, a game a, our kid loves.
2: But you know what? Yeah, okay. Maybe not Animal Crossing, but the kid gets a real kick out of me playing old school like Super Mario 1 and 2. Because like kids like watching other people play video games, yeah. I guess on YouTube it's a thing. Yeah. So she'll sit with me and be like, "Mommy, play this game." So I'm like, "Okay." She's like, "Mommy, be the Peach." So I play all the old school games that I grew up, and she's you know, telling me what to do, and it's it's kind of it's kind of fun.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But on which which console?
2: It's called the Nintendo Switch. <laughs> oh,
0: the Nintendo Switch. It's like
2: Switch. a little handheld. I guess it's like the future Game Boy. Wait, it's like a little handheld, whatever. But it's
0: like a hybrid thing, right? Yeah, Where you, you can, can also put it on put it, your big yeah. TV. I
2: sound so old right
0: now. My recommendations are all like halfway to Shameless plugs, So I'll mix the two and then we'll transition that way. Um, I'm going to recommend things that we've been doing lately on Dade, starting with the most recent episode of this podcast. We normally don't do recommending our most recent episode, but Mike, maybe you would agree. I think this oh, one good. is like I want to stress that people should hear this just because it's if nothing else because it's very different so we uh i i introduced mike to a friend of mine uh ricardo paulosa who is a poet and uh one of the world's uh, foremost critics of latin american art so we went to his house we did this interview smoking cigars in his collection which is one of my favorite things about going to his house Uh, because most people will like not let you smoke around their photos of their kids and this guy's got like a who's who of anybody who's painted in the hemisphere on his walls and we're smoking cigars. Oh. Uh, and, and we got into all kinds of stuff. I'm also going to recommend something a lot less heady uh, that we've been doing. So in case you have not caught on to this, uh, there's a new thing or a somewhat new thing called our Dade Blind Tasting Series.
3: Oh, man. What a mess.
0: Uh, Jason, I was-, <laughs> I was in touch with you. And Melanie, I just wasn't in touch with you because I'm not in touch with you on... Instagram, I just have his Instagram thing, and that's fine.
4: That's right,
0: but if you're not, yeah, if you're not interested, you're not interested. So that's all. Oh, I thought you said interested I'm not interested. In oh, no, she's interested. Yes. so I would love to do that I with thought each it of you. Happen. I would love to do that with each of you separately, like each of you does your own thing. Uh, okay. But that is where you know, for reasons that are still beyond my understanding, people are coming into my living room, and um, which is not like a feature of the show, you're not really aware that it's my living room necessarily. Uh, unless Mike is telling you, which you he just always does. out the point secret to. that it's yeah. your living
1: room. Uh, I tell everybody.
0: Yeah, you make sure to tell everybody. Uh, ruin the whole, like, magic, the YouTube magic we have going on. It's definitely uh, not a thing
1: built up. Right yeah. It's now. definitely it's, not a set.
0: But, but I'm basically out. having people who are, you know, authorities in their field. Uh, and I say field I, rather than food because. <laughs> I'm just saying. Well, I mean, you, you, I you, you, you have a restaurant that makes two different kinds of croquetas and sells them. That's true. You're more of an authority than most people in the croqueta-eating world. That's uh, so So uh, Mike, for instance, came to my house. We fried frozen croquetas. He tasted them. He talked about them and told you which one he would buy, I guess, if he had to buy one of them. I seriously doubt that he's bought any of those or will in the future. Uh, but uh, the thing that blew my mind was uh, Daniel Levine of Dasher & Crank uh, got in touch with... I don't know this guy. He like wrote me asking whether he could come taste ice cream at my
4: house. He's a, he's a cool guy. He seemed yeah, very cool, yeah. Okay.
0: So uh, so I'm looking forward to that. Uh, Miguel uh, Miguel Massens, um our, our chef friend, uh, is uh, brothers. Uh, Ben Brothers. Ben uh, Brothers will be coming to my house. He wants to blind taste mojo, just like chugging mojo. Wow, I like that. So there's that, I like um, that. and uh, yeah. and we're gonna have Pablo Zitzman uh, tasting frozen arepas. Pablo. So, so yeah, this is like a, a thing that I'm looking forward to, especially for those people who are not necessarily inclined to do the long form podcast thing. These are about ten minutes long, and if and they're a little more utilitarian, right? Like you might come away from it thinking like that's the Arepa I'll buy, or that's what I'm going to look for when I go get I don't know bacon or something, uh, or this is the mojol chug. Uh, <laughs> so hey,
4: a chug. I love. <laughs> You're I'm the second alley,
0: person dude. today who's told me that it's I not that weird. I the cap and drink it
4: out of the cap. My parents would get pissed. Like, are <laughs> you drinking? Like, vinegar, like, sour vinegar. Uh, my favorite is
1: when we did the black bean one and there was people on, what is that forum that I don't even know what it is? Reddit. That thing. Being, like, commenting like, this guy's got it all wrong. You need to do it this way. And I'm like, it's just being out of a can, bro. Like, I don't know what to tell you. I'm sorry. It's yeah. my bad. Yeah, yeah, for sure.
0: So, uh, and then other shameless plug things, the more generic ones. Uh, you can find all of our stuff at DadeMag.com. It's Pancom Podcast on all of the things. And if uh, you are interested in supporting what we're doing via Patreon, it's Patreon.com slash DadeMag. Shout out to Mabel DeBensa and Philip Bennett, our, uh, I, I'm, I forget what I called the tier, but I'll invent the name now, our, our, our associate producer tier level contributors on Patreon. Uh, Mike, shameless plugs?
1: No, I mean, whatever. Pig Ink, Area Miami.
0: You always say it like you don't know it's coming. Like you just, just
1: do the thing. No, I mean, people know. Uh, Area Miami, Pig Ink, Chugs Diner. Now we've really put a closing date for Chugs. This isn't like an aha. Like we're not closing. It's actually October 4th. Um, Nave Miami is, is not open right now, but we're doing a clam like a, you know, a lobster roll fried clam pop up on the weekends right now. We do, you know, Taurus is open seven days a week and now we're allowed to stay open till 11. So thank our local leaders for allowing us to stay open till 11. You guys are so nice. Anyways, uh, that's all I got.
4: And so we'll let you do your shameless plugs, plug all your stuff. Babes meet and counter, uh, down in Palmetto Bay, right off the of U S one, in lovely South Miami Dade County. Uh, Babe Froman, also like for the old school people that know us, uh, can find us at babefroman.com or on Instagram, Twitter, all that babefroman three um, hundred five. That's pretty much all of our stuff right there. Come buy some, uh, come buy some beans, buy some sandwiches. Yeah. <laughs> we're open. <laughs> yeah, we're open. That's it. Thank we're you for listening.
3: The next downward, the hidden hidden. The next downward, the hidden.